Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, City Life. Coming to you straight from Moline, Illinois, with my friend in the background. We're out here near the Quad Cities, they call it, because there's four states right around here gearing up to do school assemblies this week, share the gospel, preach at a church, and we at City Life, back there in Lansing, are gearing up for Love the City Week. September 25th through October 1st, we are gonna go love the city, tell people they belong, they're loved, and they have purpose. We are rallying and raising funds to get to our goal of $20,000 for that week, and then also every dollar on top of that to hit our goal for the Love the City truck, which is $35,000. And we are going to take a portion of the offering and donate to the hurricane efforts because we want to locally make an impact and also globally make an impact and respond. Now this morning, Rhett is going to speak to you, and I want to just share one quick story about Rhett of why I'm excited that he gets to share with you this morning. Rhett, there was this, uh, I was telling him about this little um, kind of apartment complex that's low income, and it's off the road, and it's pretty much marginalized, and they have a basketball court there with the hole in the center of it. And I was telling him how it was on my heart, and one day I'd love to fill that hole. And then I came home, and I saw Rhett have kind of like some tar on his face and just on his arms, and he had a team full of people. And I said, hey, where'd you go? And they said, we just filled that hole in that basketball court at that neighborhood. And the reason I love that, because I didn't have to coordinate it. I didn't have to tell and, and, and mobilize all the efforts. I just basically had to share the story and he took initiative and went and made it happen to love people. Because sometimes to connect with the soul, it's as simple as just filling a hole on a basketball court. And so this morning, get ready, Jonah 2, give it up for Rhett as he's about to speak. Come on, love the city, y'all. Love runs to. Love runs to. What's up, guys? I wasn't running out here. I actually just tripped over that wire. So, um, well, this is bigger than the first service. For me, I'd probably rather be filling a pothole or, I don't know, I'm used to like one-on-one interaction, like hanging out with Kim and Lorna. Kim just became a team lead here at City Life as a connector. So that's cool. Um, Jerome, I know you can't see or hear me right now, but you'll probably listen to the podcast. I just want to say thank you for, um, yeah, just for letting me speak and share. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm going to like blow your minds, but for me, it's God just speaks to my heart. So maybe he'll just speak through that and, um, and we'll go from there. So yes, Jonah um, is where we are at last week. And something I was saying last service that um, I love about just city life is that it's an opportunity to come in and just feel refreshed and healed. And I know there's a lot of places, and that's how it should be, right? Like God set up the church the bride, like that's, that's what a bride does. It refreshes. And there might be some of you guys that are like, not my bride. Well, hopefully, you know, maybe you got to check your own heart and your own soul a little bit too, because maybe she's thinking the same thing. So, um, but here it's a place where you can come and sit and be relaxed and feel refreshed. And part of 
what is so beautiful, and I think back to last week when we're in Jonah, and it's about this crazy story. Guy gets swallowed by a fish. It's like, wait, what? That's crazy. I don't know. I got a lot of questions. But then there's like the aspect too where like he, God tells him to do something. And he goes the complete opposite way, and they get on this boat, and it's like storm, and he's sleeping. It's like, what? How are you sleeping? Like when God told you to do something, you're going the wrong way, and the seas are crazy. Um, I know I'm talking really fast. I got to slow it down. And so the sailors, and, but the one thing that Jerome talked about was conviction. And what I mean is when you sit in here, words start to get redefined. God uses stories to paint a different picture, right? Because conviction, if you like grew up in the church, conviction still kind of feels like abrasive, like, oh, conviction, I don't know, it's a very churchy word. But if you grew up as an unbeliever, it's like conviction, convict, like, right, Akon, I used to listen to Akon, like, convict, like, that was his, like, label company. That's right, I can listen to that, all right? So, and maybe I still listen to it sometimes, I actually do, I did the other day. Um, and so we're on the boat, Jonah 1, the sailors are convicted, but something that really stuck out, stuck out to me as well was, it's fascinating that when we know to do right, when we see like, okay, hold on, this line is crooked. There's a straight line. Something's off here. I know I should be on this path. But we often try to do it on our own power. And that's what the sailors did, right? Like there was the opportunity. They were like, they cried out to their gods and their gods weren't listening. And then so what they try to do is like, okay, let's go. Cargoes, take it over. Jonah's like, hey, I'm the problem. You got the, no, we'll throw the cargo over. And then lastly, it's like, I don't know how big this storm was, but I just picture like massive, uh, what was that movie, like late 90s, The Perfect Storm, like one of those, you're not out rowing that sucker. Like if it's a storm that God created, in fact, I think the word, I don't know if it's in my Bible or not, but the word that Jerome had up was tempestuous. Like I don't know what kind of like storm is tempestuous because that's not a word I use a lot, but it sounds like crazy insane. And so like, so they're trying to row against that, like on, on their own power, but really, conviction is just a beautiful word to say, stop. You don't have to try anymore. In fact, don't you feel like more tired? Like your arms, your mind, your soul, like you're trying to, like you're trying to run away. And now you're trying to get back, but really just stop. I'm here. God's here. So conviction, it's a place to have words redefined. And so today we're going to talk about repentance. Like, uh-oh, another one of those words, like repent. Like that just sounds like, like I picture some dude on a, like I was in Missouri one time and some guy on like a little street corner, like talking about repentance and Jesus. And then there's, you know, people yelling at the, uh, what's that called? Planned Parenthood. Like, and it's just like, oh man, it makes me not want to talk about repentance or church or anything. But then you start to read Jonah and then God uses people like Jerome to work through the stories to uncover. It's actually a beautiful painting. Like I saw it from this angle and I thought it was like, you know, just some ugly. And then, but then I came here and it's like, oh, I understand. Like I get it now. And so I hope that's um, what we can kind of see. So we're going to be in Jonah 2. We're going to look at it from two perspectives. One is from Jonah's and we're going to see that repentance stays repentance stays, and then we're going to see it from God's perspective, and we're just going to talk about our theme, love runs to, what's up, Raph? How's it going? Hey, welcome. I don't know if you're supposed to call people out, but I love Raph. We got to hang out the other night. That was cool. I'm still trying to find Jonah in here, which is insane. Let's just put it up on the screen, um, and let's read through. So Jonah 2, they finally, they tossed Jonah over into the sea. I've got a lot of, I've got a few fears. Uh, one is heights, 
Um, heights for me as a kid. I don't think I had a fear of heights. Like I would climb any tree. I remember going back to my parents' house a couple weeks ago and I looked up at this branch and I was like, dude, I used to jump out of that. That is insane. But so now though, I'm working for, for a brunette home improvement. Love those guys. And, um, so we're out there as me, Dan and Wyatt. And so we're out there. They're like, all right, you know, we throw up this like 40 foot ladder up four stories and they're like, all right, right, get up there. I'm like, yeah, okay thanks, leaving me out to the wolves, so I start, like, climbing, I'm, like, and it's, at first, it's pretty easy, like, 10, 15 feet, anybody can do, maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe, but, and so you get up to, like, 20 or 30, and it's, like, oh, my gosh, they say don't look down, I look down, but, uh, so I just keep going, I'm, like, dear life, and they're, like, hey, when you get up there, throw the bungee around, I'm, like, I've got to get up there first alive, and so, like, get up there, and I get around, and, my heart's racing, and so I get up there, I bungee it around, but then I had to give Wyatt a hard time this last week. He, uh, we both come up on a roof. I'm getting a little bit more confident, and uh, he's, so we're up on this roof. He goes down first. I look down at him. I'm like, hey, Wyatt. He's like, what? I was like, dude, you ever seen uh, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York? He's like, yeah, you remember that brick scene where he tosses the bricks down? Good luck climbing down, sucker. So uh, I got to give him a hard time, too, so they gave me a very hard time. So, um, but that's one thing I'm afraid of. And the other thing I'm really afraid of, and it's not a fear that I've had to experience and I'm so thankful, but it's like this. Imagine you're alone on a life raft at night in the middle of the ocean. That's it. I don't know how to describe that fear. I don't know what it is, but that would just be the freakiest thing. Like you're looking out over the edge and it's, you don't know what's down there. And then you're thinking about that movie Unbroken and it's like, I think they showed it in the movie, but I read the book and there's like the shark that tries to flip over the, like the little raft, like, all, like the great white shark trying to like kill you. And so to me, that is like one of my fears. So Jonah's alone in the sea, like drowning. Has God left him alone? Is he gonna repent for like running from God's call? What's he gonna do? And that's when we hop in here into Jonah chapter two. And uh, so Jonah's crying out. He says, because uh, he gets swallowed up by a fish. I think that's the end of one. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Do we in our distress call to the Lord or are we still trying to row? And he answered me. Interesting. Sometimes I don't think God hears me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Isn't that how we often feel? Nobody sees us. Nobody hears us. God doesn't care. We're all alone in the seas of our own storm. Um, yet I will look again to you, to your holy temple. The waters engulf me. They threaten me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed, is metaphor maybe, seaweed was wrapped around my head. There it is. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth barred me in forever, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, they turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. I will say salvation, a.k.a. deliverance, comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Repentance stays. I was talking to Jerome yesterday, and just something that's been hitting us both is like, this is like a pretty long passage just for Jonah to say, I'm sorry. 
I was wrong. And it's, it's poetic and, you know, maybe it doesn't fully translate over to, like, our souls and our hearts. But at some level, I think it hits me, at least as a dude, because to say I'm sorry to Kendall or to say I was wrong to a guy, like, that's, it's pretty hard. Um, and so I, I think about it, because for me, I usually don't go for repentance. I usually go for vengeance, I go for like something that I have a little bit more control of because if I repent, I don't know what's going to happen. Even though if we think about it, it's probably internally a lot more beautiful than vengeance. So this past week, just to kind of illustrate, I was talking to this dude who he's always like got the greatest stories, but at the end of it, you're like, oh man, I never want to cross you like ever. So he, uh, his wife is at home. He's at work. So he works for a scrapyard basically. And he's like, Rhett, I never leave I never really like to leave her alone. We're having the uh, AC guy or whatever, the furnace guy come over and kind of clean out our vents and stuff like that. And, um, and so, but she's like, oh, I'm good. Uh, Mom's here. We'll be good. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure we got this. So he comes over and apparently he's like flying around the house, like upstairs, downstairs, like, like flying over here. Like, like, and so she's struggling to even like keep up with him. And, and finally she's like kind of going around and she looks and uh-oh. The change jar is gone. Uh, change jar is gone. I did that in the first service too. I can't even say that phrase. Change jar is gone. And so she calls up her husband and says, hey, honey, um, this guy is like flying around the house. And you know our little change jar? It's gone. He's like, hold on, I'll be right over. So he like hops in, like pulls up, walks in. He just goes straight up to the, I think every dude in here is going to be like, yeah, that's what I would have done too. Goes straight up to the dude, goes, where's my change jar? Guy, guy goes, I ain't a thief. So he's like, all right, well, we'll find out. So he goes into, if you know, if you didn't steal anything, then I can go check out your van. So he goes into the dude's van, starts like <clears throat> rifling around and <laughs> he comes out. He's like, hey, I got to go. I got a next appointment. And so he's like working his way up toward the front of the van and he reaches under the front seat and he's like, Ching! like, here's like a little noise. The change jar drops out like under a towel he turns around. This is his story. I don't know. Turns around. He just goes, boom, and smokes the dude right in the nose. Blood everywhere. He goes, Rhett, I just, knock, I just knocked him out cold. I hit him a couple more times. Just boom, boom. He's like, my only regret is that, um, you know, my hands really hurt, so I wish I would have taken his hands and slammed him in the door so his hands hurt too. I was like, jeez, dang, bro. So I'm trying to like, how am I going to inject the gospel here? How can I listen without like confirming, but at the same time, like engage? Um, I'm not like, so... He, and it's insane. So the guy wakes up. So he, so this dude's calling the cops like, hey, this guy came over. He's supposed to clean my, you know, is he to clean me out of my change. And so he gets up, wakes up, hops in the driver's seat and floors it through the yard and just gets out of there. That dude's boss calls him. He's like, we're going to sue your, and he's like, I'm going to sue your, because your dude came over and stole my change. So they went back and forth and I, and I started thinking about it. So this guy, he went the, the vengeance route, like literally, it's like what you see in the movies. You know, we watch movies like Taken, and we're like, yeah, like, like every dude is like, I love Taken. That movie is awesome. He like Liam Neeson just goes crazy on everyone. But ultimately, that doesn't work in life. That's God's job. And if we want relationships and an environment that is just healthy, we got to take ownership. Because at some level, I mean, that dude could have repented. He could have said, I'm sorry, like, sorry for knocking you out. Hey, sorry for 
stealing your change jar. Um, so I think about that, I, and I even kind of planted that seed because he was like, oh, I hope that dude's in prison right now. I'm like, yeah, maybe, or maybe he could have, like, changed his mind. And so he's like, yeah, I don't know. He kind of just, like, walked away. So he gets, like, worked up in those stories. Um, but so repentance to me is a beautiful thing, but it's something that we need to sit in because we just, like, it's just like, I'm sorry. It's like, what? What did you say? Like, did you just sneeze or? I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's hard, but when someone's there for you, and you know that on, you know that at some level, what's I guess what's crazy for me is that what I'm learning. I'm only thirty, so I'm always learning. I hold things. I try to hold things pretty loosely, but. I am wrong a lot, and my pride and arrogance runs a lot deeper than I know or can see. And so I might think that I'm 90% right, and she's 10%, you know, you know, right. And she, so therefore, she's 90% wrong. And, but I, see, I start playing these games, like these analytical games. I think that's what we do as dudes, too, is we try to analyze, like, like running the numbers, like, okay, she was 54% wrong. And so therefore, she has to say, it's like, that's not, that's not how it works. If you want a relationship, love is felt. Love isn't computed. So love is felt. So if love is, if she's going to feel love, you're not going to go up to her and try to run those numbers through her and say, actually, right here, you should be technically being, you know, plus addition, subtraction, carry the two equals, you have to say sorry. No. You were wrong at some level at some point in that conversation. And so I think for, for me and for us, it's just to look to say, dang, when is the last time I've said I was wrong. When's the last time that I've said I'm sorry? And so for Jonah, he had to come really to the end of himself. And that's, that's what's fascinating too is, and I love that, first of all, I love that Jerome brought up the whole fish swallowing Jonah because for me, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so that's like one of those things. I'm like, oh, hold on. You can't just blaze through the story and not like talk about a dude getting swallowed by fish and living for three days. So he kind of addressed that and it's like, I still got a lot of questions. But what really stands out to me is that God uses massive fish, so to speak, those big situations, the lost job, the long nights where you feel so, like, separated from your, like, significant other, even though you're sleeping in the same bed. He uses those situations to say, hey, right here, like, look up. It's okay. Repentance is a beautiful thing to say, I'm sorry. It's okay. I love you. You don't have to try to be perfect. You don't have to try to be good. That's what my son was for. And I love uh, is it John Steinbeck who was like, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good because you have the freedom. And if you're in Christ, you don't, you're, not, you're not struggling to be free. You're free to struggle. And so those, like for me, I think about it like running. Like I think about it like God's running to us, and then, but sometimes we're running away from him, right? So we kind of know. So we're running, we're running. And if we just like keep going and God doesn't put something in our path, then I would say he's actually not a good God. But him putting a fish in our path or a lost job or crying kids or whatever it is that makes us like trip and fall and say like, whoa, hold on. But again, are we trying to row? Are we trying to get this on our own power? Are we trying to strive? Or are we saying, God, I'm sorry. Honey, I was wrong. Forgive me. And at that point, that's when a relationship can happen because your heart's open. So dudes, girls, let's repent. Let's say I'm sorry. It's so beautiful. And, uh, and sometimes we've got to do it at a massive level, at a corporate level, where 
like if repentance stays, then for me, like in my 20s, I was kind of characterized by the dude that would always bounce around, like hang out with all these different people, which is good, but then I didn't get really get to know people and they didn't get to know me. How am I going to affect and impact somebody at Fairview like Desmond or any of those kids at, at Fairview if I'm there once every six months? I'm like, oh, okay, that was cool to kind of go there. Then I'm over here, uh, you know, back in, you know, at District 5. And not that that's wrong, but it's like if we're going to stay, then we got to stay and be consistent. And so... I love seeing, like, there's so many of you guys that went to Fairview last year and just hung out with the lunch ladies. Like, like they are, they have a very hard job. Well, I'm just judging that based on their lack of smile. I mean, they're just always like, and I get it because all the kids, they coming in like crazy. But for me, it's like they're kids. Like, you got to let them be themselves at some point. You can't always, like, try to get them in a straight line. It's like they're kids. They want to play with fidget spinners and video games and stuff like that. So you got to have some allowance for that. But to come in and like open milk cartons for kids and hang out with them on the playground, like there's nothing better. Um, and then they start to get to know you. And so they'll like, and I think I might have told you guys this before, but they'll like take milk cartons, it's clever little boogers, like they'll, and they'll open them, but then close them back up and be like, Hey, right, 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 right. I need you to open my milk carton. They'll give it to me, and I go to open it. It's already open. I'm like, oh, you got, oh, you got me again. All right, so then I'll do, like, little magic tricks with them and make stuff disappear, and they're like, no, it's just in your lap, and I'll, like, slide it under, and they'll be like, oh, he really knows magic. They still don't know I'm not a magician. <clears throat> but it's fun. It's beautiful, and so you, repentance stays. So sometimes we just need to repent and say, God, I have been living in a house with a fence unintentionally, but now you're calling me to something greater, something higher, something more raw. And that's the second point. From God's perspective, this passage is about love running to. And so this, this is how I think about it. I don't know how many people were alive back when Jonah was alive. Not as many as today, but still a lot. And the fact that Jonah didn't, like he didn't go to the city that God told him to. If I was God, I'd be reading this text a lot different and I'd be saying, all right, let's go find somebody else. Gabriel, Michael, we don't need to use him. Let's go find somebody else. And I think that's how often we feel. But God chases us. He uses us. If he's called you, which he has, the New Testament says that we have a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. I was just talking to someone recently and she just, you know, mid-50s, crying, someone I'm close with, just saying like, I know I have a purpose, but I don't know what my purpose is. And, uh, and it's hard because especially when it's someone that's so close and that you've done life with and, uh, to not, they don't feel like love's running to them. I don't know if you can see that dude. And I didn't know for like the first two weeks that there's actually a dude in the background here, like posed like this. I was like, oh, there's, it's easier to see right here. But I just love that God's poise. He's going to come back. He's going to keep running to you. Jonah said, like, I called, he answered my voice. It actually, my prayers actually, he heard, he listened to me. He listened to me. Listening is so beautiful. Listening and caring and hearing. They say that three quarters, 75% of all malpractice lawsuits are because the doctor didn't listen. Nothing to do with the actual like, surgery that went wrong. But they looked at all the court cases and they like, because they didn't listen. That's a crazy. But God listens. Sometimes we don't feel like it, but Jonah couldn't have been further away from God. He was in the depth of the sea, in a fish, 
alone. Like, I don't know if you've had nights where you've laid, I mean, maybe you're next to someone, maybe not, maybe you're just alone. And you're wondering, like, is God here? Is God really still running to me or has he chosen someone else? Or for some of us, this is another thing I know that I struggle with is like, okay, I know God uses somebody like Jerome or Rob. Like clearly, like they're anointed, they're in the ministry. And I remember hearing this story one time. There was a, uh, a speaker, or yeah, well, he is a speaker, but he's a singer as well. And so he sings a couple of like Jesus songs, stuff like that. And he leaves, they're packing up all their stuff. And some dude comes up and goes, hey man, just want to say thanks for doing the Lord's work. And he goes, hey man, you too. And he goes, what? Like, nah, and you don't understand, I'm just a plumber. And he goes, that's okay. And then you plumb to the glory of God. And in that moment, it just, you know, it's moments like that that make me realize, like, God's chasing all of us, not a select few of us. And he sees, if in God's kingdom, he cares about somebody being faithful. I think that's why he's chasing Jonah. He just wants Jonah to be faithful. Some people think that we need a microphone or we got to be rock stars. We don't. Like, we don't at all. I've been watching um, tennis lately. Like, I love any sport. And I was just thinking back there, like, you know, everyone's watching the, the dudes that are playing tennis. But to me, the real heroes are the ones that are, like, the little servant boys that are running around chasing all, like, the little balls, like, da, 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 like, like, and then some dude gets ready to serve. And so they grab, like, three balls. And they're like, ah, I don't want this one. So they just kind of, like, throw it behind him. And the little dude's got to, like, go get it. I'm like, what the heck? Why aren't these guys getting the credit or the money? Like, it's like free service. Like, it's like the best service you can get in sports. Like, you don't have to do anything until you actually start playing tennis. And it's actually pretty tough. But that's who God sees. He sees the ball boy. He sees the man on the bench. He sees the, you know, the backup quarterback that never gets to play. And they still get a trophy. And it's beautiful. God runs to you. He runs to me. It's awesome. And, uh, and that's why, and it's, it's, it's personal. It's local. That's why we're doing the whole uh, Love the City Week. But it's global as well. And that's why you heard Jerome say and Steve, like we're cognizant of Houston, of Florida. Actually, one of our mentor churches is at, at like the biggest hip-hop church in, I think, the world is at uh, Crossover in Tampa, Florida, and they're not even having church this morning. Like, that's insane. Like, like someone not having church, that doesn't happen often. It's like Lions win the Super Bowl or church not happening. It's like, okay, it's actually, we know which one, that, yeah, Lions aren't ever going to win, I don't think. I hope they do. Um... Yeah, love runs to, love listens. That's another, like, just going back to that listening point. Um, do you listen? They say that listening is like one of the most powerful tools that you can have. I actually, so with uh, Brunette, I drive a truck around all day. And uh, I, have, I only have three apps on my home screen. One's my phone, one's my messages, and then one's my Audible. And so I just listen to books all day. And so... I would say the biggest theme throughout all these books this year have been the art of listening. Like, it seems like a lot of books open up with, can you actually listen to someone? Because if you listen to someone, they know that you care for them. And so, what about the lady at Home Depot? What about the lady at the grocery store? What about your, you know, sometimes it's hardest with the people you're closest with because you hear them all the time. It's like, I still got to listen, God? Yeah, I still listen to you. (laughs) And, uh, that's a beautiful reminder. It's like, yeah, amen, exactly, exactly. So, God, thank you for listening. And God, thank you for, t- he, take, he takes risks on people too. 
he used Jonah, who he knew, like God in his foreknowledge knew that Jonah was going to like go the opposite way. Why did he do that? Why, God, it's interesting, people are always, you know, it's, God doesn't use perfect people. He uses people like that, I think on purpose, to show that we're all loved. And he takes risks like that. And I love, I love when people take risks. I love when businesses take risks. Like, um, what's his name? Richard Branson. He started Virgin Atlantic, an airplane, in this airplane company. And this is how he did it. He was like, he got his team in here. He's like, all right, uh, haven't really ran any numbers, but um, airlines are charging way too money and the service sucks. So let's get into it and let's inject some life into it. And they did. And now they're killing it. And it's awesome. Like they did, they did like no SWOT analysis, nothing. And another thing that they did is they, they found the same kind of like issue in banks. Like oh, banks are so boring. So in the UK, they started um, Virgin Banks and there they created these like really luxurious lounges and where you come and you get free food, coffee, Wi-Fi, all this stuff. And everyone was making fun of them. Like everyone. Like you guys are going to spend a ton of money and it's going to go to waste. But the crazy thing is the very first year after they opened, they made four times as much money as the next leading bank. Spend money to make money, I guess. I don't know. But for me, it's like they took a risk, but really like taking a, taking a risk is all a matter of perspective, right? Like people see us like, oh, you guys are buying a truck. That's so risky. Oh, you guys are doing Love the City Week. Oh, you guys are on Mother's Day going out at midnight on MLK and handing out roses. I guess it's risky, but to me, it's like, dude, we got one life. What else are we going to do? And it's fun. It's awesome. Like, there is nothing better. Like, to me, living in a house, like, I got a fence around my house. I want to tear it down. Like, with a fence and just kind of like, you know, computer all the time, to me, that's risky. What am I going to do? Wake up when I'm 70 and be like, awesome life. I I don't think so. I don't think so. I see all these videos with the you know, all these dudes that are like, my number one regret is um, basically not taking risks and not being myself and not saying what I wish I would have said. So God took a risk on Jonah. God is taking a risk on you. He loves you. He's chasing you. All we have to do is repent and say, God, I'm sorry. So yeah, I don't really have too much more to say. So I'll just close by saying this. Repentance stays and love runs to, love runs to you. And I just love, again, Josh, I'm going to call you out again. Just thank you so much for constantly pointing us to, to just being instead of doing. Like, I think often in church we feel like, oh, we got to do, we got to do, we got to do this, we got to set up, we got to tear down. That stuff has to get done. But if your heart's not right, if my heart's not right, who gives a rip? It doesn't matter. If you don't feel loved, who cares whether you're doing all of these things? It's, do I feel loved? And if love runs to me, and, and, and that's what's so beautiful about God. In Romans 2, it says, God's goodness leads us to repentance. His goodness. I grew up thinking it was his fear. Like, if I don't, like, if I don't, like, repent, then I'm going to hell. But really, it's more like, dude, if you don't repent, you're missing out on the best life ever. It's like, huh, interesting. Interesting. And so I think about it in those terms, and it's just like, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's like my grandma who might have caught us climbing around in her, the loft of her barn and sees us with cobwebs and, yeah, she just wipes them off and says, hey, I make cookies for you. It's like, what? That, wants, that makes me want to repent. It's crazy. So love runs to you. What would it look like if we said, I'm sorry, 
more often? What if we made it a goal to say I was wrong once a week? And what if we made it a goal to wake up? Josh was telling me um, that he asked one of his spiritual mentors, what's like the biggest thing that you've learned spiritually? And he's like, uh, I wrote it down somewhere, but basically like if you spend three minutes in the presence of God, it'll change your life. And so just feeling God running, just always that, that poised position. He's running to you. He's chasing after you. He loves you. And all he wants to do is look up and say, God, my way is wrong. I love you. So let's pray. God, we love you, but that's because you first loved us. God, repentance stays. So may we just feel the weight of, just the weight of our short-sightedness sometime and just our, our desire to like, no, I got this, I'll fix it, I'll row, no, I'll toss over cargo, no, it's okay, I got it. But maybe we just feel like, no, we've actually probably hurt some people in, in doing that. Like, no, honey, I got this, I got this, oh, no, 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 I'll figure it out. No, no, you were wrong. Nah. Maybe we just be extreme owners and say, no, that's not me, that's my bad. And then maybe we just feel your love running toward us today. Sunday, September 10th, or whatever it is, and just feel that you're chasing us always. That's the beauty about you, God. You chase us, and yet we get you. That's amazing. So may we feel that today. God, as all these people go, just be with them, and uh, may they feel your presence, even if they're at the bottom of the sea in a whale and a fish. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city, one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.